the runs in that first. And Owen Miller in the center field hits it well. On the run goes Myers, and he's looking up. Goodbye! Owen Miller does it again! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So we have a text line in the studio, right? I, I got a, a link on my studio PC here. I open that up and it's it's like, uh, looks like a cell phone, right? I have all the, the text conversations from all the listeners who text in. And I can only access this on the work computer. I mean, I guess I can log in and pull it up on my laptop, but whatever. I only check these text messages really between four and six, when I'm doing the show. Sometimes when I come in in the morning, it'll still be there and I'll give it a peek. But for the most part, I only check these texts between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. during the show. Now, that doesn't stop folks from sending things to it the other 22 hours of the day. Uh, for example, last night at 7.13, I got a text. I don't know who this is from. I don't have the name. This text is like, where's Ethan Small? Where's where's Robert Gasser? He's mad about the Josh Hader trade. Didn't get enough. That was at 7.30 last night. At 8.15 last night, uh, from Big Ron in Jersey, I got sent a link to an ESPN article by Nick Friedel. <laughs> that's, that's, this is the title. I was going to read you the headline. Why Nickelback means so much to Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat's title run. <laughs> Big Ron sent this. Actually, he sent it at 9.13 p.m., And Big Ron's out in Jersey, so he's on East Coast time, which means he sent it at 10.15 his time. And I just love Big Ron and others who, at wild hours of the day, just feel compelled to text this this number. I'm going to start checking it before I go to bed every night and when I wake up. We should make this a 24-hour thing. I get a kick out of this. And thank you for the link, Big Ron. Always down to talk Nickelback. Even at, you know, 9.15, 10.15 Eastern time at night. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and I can't wait—I can't wait till I get a couple minutes. I'm going to read this article. I hope you had a great day. I certainly did. Got to watch some Brewers baseball. They beat the Astros. What the heck? What the heck? They—they they get blown out in Game One by ten plus runs, and then they don't allow a run the rest of the series. Baseball is a weird sport. So we can talk about last night's Brewers win and today's Brewers win. Adrian Hauser was awesome. Naturally, Craig Council was very quick to pull him in the sixth inning because, come on, it's Craig Council, it's the Brewers. But the Brewers win today 4 to nothing. so I want to talk about that. In just a little bit, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs because we've been doing that every day. There's games every night, and we're about to crown a champion. We're about to get to the NBA Finals, and we can learn so much. And there's so much to talk about from Game 1 to 2 to 3, from the Eastern Conference Finals to the Western Conference Finals, which have now concluded we don't need to talk anymore about the Lakers or the Nuggets, at least until the finals start. Right, but the NBA playoffs are such an amazing event to talk about because the conversation evolves so much from one game and one series to the next. So even though the Bucks have been eliminated, I do want to keep up at least a little bit. And we don't want to disappoint Eric on I-90, who's become a diehard NBA fan over the last couple of years. So I want to get to that. I want to talk Jordan Love. Jordan Love spoke, is it today? Yesterday? I don't, he spoke at some point. It all starts to run together. 
We're going to hear a little bit from Jordan Love, talk about expectations for Jordan Love, both in OTAs and, and of course, in training camp and once the season starts. I also have some information to share with you about the Bucks' big three. They've narrowed their coaching search to three. There's three finalists. Only one man can come away with the job. The runner-up is actually going to be considered uh, to produce Bill Michaels once Ben Kenny leaves. So if, if Kenny Atkinson gets the job, that means Nick Nurse has the inside track to produce Bill's show from 10 to 2 every day. I think that's, that's – the, there's three finalists, two jobs. One is the Bucks coach. Uh, another is Bill Michaels' right-hand man. Uh, Nick Nurse can be the medium unit starting it next week as Ben Kenny's on his way out. Yeah, we'll talk coaching candidates – uh, and some interesting details is I've actually started to deep dive these coaching candidates because when Bud was let go, the extent of our coaching conversation was basically me yelling about how I don't want Nick Nurse. Okay, And you all were like, well, who do you want? And I'm like, don't ask me questions. Don't make me think critically. Well, okay. I've actually considered their three finalists and examined the journeys that these guys have taken to get to the place that they are now. Coaching is a wild profession. So we'll get to that tonight at some point as well. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. What a Brewers win today. I don't have much to say about the Brewers right now. And I think I've said throughout the week, they're just treading water. If they can play 500 baseball and every once in a while get a, get a little hot, come away with a sweep, maybe when we didn't expect it, win a game here and there when they weren't supposed to win a game, great. The Brewers just need to tread water and play 500 baseball until they get healthier, until they get some of their starters back, right? So we shouldn't expect the world of our Brewers right now. We should not expect them to rack up sweeps and and seven-game winning streaks because I just don't think they have the horses at the moment. But because they got off to a good start and because the division isn't very good and because the Cardinals got off to a really slow start, if they simply play 500 baseball until the 4th of July, there's still going to be a couple of games over and they're still going to be in a great spot to contend for this division as hopefully their starting rotation and, and some other positions get healthier. Luis Urias coming back, et cetera. It's that Luke Voigt. I mean, just think when Luke Voigt gets back. So the Brewers just need to tread water, just stay above sea level until hopefully some of their stud arms like Brandon Woodruff and obviously their real ace, Wade Miley, comes, comes back and comes healthy. I don't have much to say about this team other than that's a Brewers win. That is a Brewers win. The way that... David Stearns and now Matt Arnold have kind of built and shaped this roster. They've, they've at the beginning of spring training, this is kind of the way I see the Brewers front office approaching team building. What's our strength? They look around. Well, what's our strength? Our strength is in the case of 2018. Well, the strength is the bullpen. Okay. Well, let's do a little bit to bolster the offense. Let's take some bets. And if a couple of those bets hit, then we'll be in a great spot, right? In the last couple of years, it's been our, our, our strength is starting pitching. Starting pitching, a great strength. We can lean on that. So let's let's make a couple of low-cost, uh, high-payoff bets. And if just a couple of them hit with our bats, if just a couple of those bets on relievers hit, then we're going to be sitting pretty. Today's game is such a good example of the way that the Brewers have operated, right? Now, their starting pitcher was not elite, but Adrian Hauser on the mound, where did their offense come from today? They scored four runs. If you didn't watch or listen to the game today, Willie Adamas hit a home run in the first inning. That put him up 2-0. Okay. Their third run, their fourth run, Owen Miller home run. I think his second in as many days or his, his second home run in three days, whatever. He's been really hot, right? Owen Miller was a, a low-cost, low-risk, 
potentially high-reward player. They didn't spend anything on him, and look at the dividends that that signing, that transaction is paying. That's so Brewers. We're just going to spend a couple of bucks, pennies on the dollar for Owen Miller, and if he has a great month, if he has a great year, wow, it's basically free. right? And the Brewers have done that with so many guys the last couple of years. Brian Anderson, he hit a home run to score the Brewers' fourth run today. Brian Anderson also falls into that category, right? Like, we'll, we'll spend pennies on the dollar on Owen Miller and on Brian Anderson, and if those guys just have a hot streak here and there, if Owen Miller has one great month, Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and Brian Anderson has a great season. Well, then the Brewers are coming out ahead. That's all they need. And, and there's years where that has gone very well. Like in 2018, they pay Yoli Shasin not a ton of money. And Gio Gonzalez is traded and, and acquired for not very much. Right? And, and those guys have career years. All of a sudden, wow, Brewers are, are walking high cotton, I believe the expression. My dad actually remember says crapping in tall cotton, but that's a little, it's a little crass. Right, 2020, during the pandemic, they made a lot of little bets on players. They bet on Ryan Healy, and they bet on Jed Jerko, and they bet on Justin Smoke, and most of those guys stunk. And so the team stunk that year. It was a weird year. It was a pandemic, but that's a case of where the Brewers made a bunch of low-cost bets, crossing their fingers that at least one or two of them would hit. And other than some nice moments from Jed Jerko, that year really really didn't do a whole lot for anybody. And this year... Pennies on the dollar for Owen Miller. Pennies on the dollar for Brian Anderson. Cross our fingers. They give us something. Cross our fingers. They overperform. And look, example today, Owen Miller, Brian Anderson, that's, I mean, that's free. The the payoff you're getting from those guys, it's free because you didn't invest much. You didn't give up any prospects. And someone who's becoming one of their better relievers, Yoel Piomps, was acquired in an Asteria Ruiz trade. So the Brewers take a player, a position of depth, they flip them for players with more contractual control, right? Resetting the timing. You go and find players that aren't really being utilized elsewhere. You bring them in. Piomps was big today. William Contreras has been awesome. They've done that Brewers thing where they get him in their catching lab and they shape him into a better defensive catcher. Just such a Brewers win. That's all I really have to say about the Brewers right now. Again, my expectation, my hope for this team is they play slightly above 500 baseball until they get healthy. And I think asking anything more from this team is a little bit unfair. Big Joe and Madison has given us a call. It's been a while since we've talked to Big Joe. 608-796-2558. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, Grand Bills? How you been, Ben? <sighs> Not too bad. I haven't been too bad. It was nice to be able to watch a Brewer game at work today. Well, while doing my work, if my boss is listening, God, I was productive. But I did have the game on. Exactly. You just got to keep that on the down low, Grant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. What's new with you? What's going on? Not much, buddy. I just been really busy, and I'm actually in my car making my car payment. That's how committed I or how committed I am making my car payment. It's calling Grant. That a boy. That a boy. We can multitask. I know Cone Roller does the same thing. He's juggling all things on his plate. Hey, have you been to a Mallards game yet this year? I know you're just a, a mighty loyal Mallards fan. Have you been down to the Duck Pond yet? I've not. I've been. Uh, it's actually funny you say that. I think my company. We're doing a company outing. I work for Amazon. We're going to do a Mallard game later this summer. I've actually been to one Brewer game. I'm going on Sunday again. And I've been to a Boyd Skycarp game already, too. Damn. You're getting around. I need to go to a Loggers game. I think they start is it next week. I don't have a schedule in front of me. I'm excited to go out and see some Northwoods League. I think you're right. I think, yeah, it's after Memorial Day, Grant. Yeah, I think it's next week. And I haven't been to a Brewers game yet this year. So, summer. You know, I don't even check the standings until Memorial Day, Big Joe. So, I don't, That's- you know. 
It's usually with baseball that's the case, Grant. I mean, like you said, you, you'd love to talk it right now, but it's just like, I'm with you. As long as the Brewers can just stay relevant, and yep. me being a Padres fan, there's six games under the last I checked. I mean, if the Padres can just start to get hot, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, and all these people are like, oh, the Cardinals are doing really bad this year. A lot of it is, Grant, they just don't have any pitching, and you knew that that offense was going to take off. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Uh, about the Brewers situation is it's just it's hard to get hot and win six of seven or eight of ten when you really don't have right. a starting rotation, right? Like the season is so I mean, long. And look at the Brewers so games. You just you need lots of options there, and the Brewers barely have anybody right now. Right, and they went on there. They got uh, Julio Turan earlier this week, so yeah. we'll see if there's anything left in his tank. That's a Brewers signing. That's what I'm talking about, Big Joe. It, it, it really is like. You, you think of it, Grant, it's like, okay, they're they're hoping that, you know, a, a low reward will pay off high in the end. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to make fun of it because it's Toronto. He hasn't played baseball in two years. But at the end of the day, like, I'm trying to be fair to I, the Brewers. They're not giving much up. Right. Go get him. And if it works out, God, it's going to be great. It's going to be such a help to this team. Grant, I'm really glad out. that they are. Uh, I'm really glad that they did not go out and try to get Trevor Bauer because <laughs> his last few starts, he's been absolutely rocked in Japan. And then I know, uh, <laughs> yeah, and there's been talks that they were interested in Madison Bumgarner. It's like, I think Bumgarner's going to end up either with the Giants or he'll end up with, like, the Cardinals. Yeah, something. And if he ends up with the Cardinals, he'll probably be awesome and it'll be a massive pain in the butt and it'll be frustrating. But Exactly. Or... The dark horse of the whole thing. Watch the Cubs go out and get him, and all of a sudden he'll be awesome for the Cubs. The Cubs are kind of struggling right now. That's the thing. That's the, the, the Brewers. Thing. The Brewers play in a bad division, but the Cardinals, the only other good team in the division, started so poorly. The Brewers have this head start. If they can just play 500 baseball and maybe pick up some extra bonus wins here and there when they're feeling good and when they get a little lucky, they're in a great spot. Right, but I, I. Well, it was nice yeah. to see him, you know, especially against a team like Houston, take two out of three. I mean, that first night with Corbin Burns, they got absolutely shelled. And I I, I just don't know what's going on with Cor- Corbin Burns. He's been very inconsistent all year. I mean, I'm kind of hoping, though, that, like, if the Brewers were to re sign, they could get him at a deal. Maybe. That's maybe the silver lining in all this. Is the Brewers like, hey, we'll give you the deal that, you know, obviously not a deal that you were going to get before this year. That's Corbin Burns maybe is another lesson for us, Big Joe. Long-term contracts in Major League Baseball just very often don't work out, right? Like, I'm, if you I'm give someone you, like, a 10-year deal, a the, it's not going to go well. It's not going to age well. Oh, exactly. Like, you're better off in basketball having, like, a super max versus baseball because a lot of baseball contracts, I mean, unless you're, like, Shohei Otani or Mike Trout, like, it works out, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, look at me being a Padres fan earlier this offseason. Manny Machado was starting, oh, I want out before I want, you know, before I play for you guys. Mm-hmm. That's just Manny Machado. He plays for the Padres, and I don't like him. I know what you mean. Well, good luck to your Padres. It was nice to chat, Big Joe. I got to take a break, but thanks for the call. Yeah, sounds good. Grant, one last thing. Yeah. Uh, who do you want for the Bucks head coach, by the way? So, I think we're going to talk about that next. I am Sounds fun. good with any of these three candidates. I think I want Kenny Atkinson, though, is the one I'm leaning towards. Same. All right. Same. We're on the same page. Talk to you later, Grant. Appreciate you, Big Joe. That's Big Joe in, in Madison, 608-796-2558. Yeah, let's talk Bucks coaching candidates coming up next because I just don't have much to say about the Brewers. I don't know that there's much to say about this team right now. Today was a very Brewers win. Owen Miller, who they paid peanuts for, coming up big. Yoel Piamps, 
Very, very shifty Brewers move this offseason. Going to take Ruiz, don't have a spot for him, and get Piams, who's going to turn into one of our better relievers. Get Contreras, who's going to be our catcher for the next couple of years. Brewers moves. Brewers signing. Brian Anderson didn't give up much for him, brought him in. He rewards them with a home run today. That's what the Brewers do. They buy low on guys, cross their fingers, and if those guys perform well, the Brewers perform really well. 2020, again, is the year that I keep referencing. It's the other side of that coin. When you get a bunch of cheap guys and none of them really play well, except for Jed Jerko, let's not let's not revise history. He actually had an okay year. Don't lump him in with Brock Holt and Ryan Healy and those guys. Good management from Craig Council the last two nights. Good performances and good contributions from so many of those Brewers guys, those Brewers signings and those Brewers acquisitions. Let's take a three-minute break. Come back. Let's talk Bucks coaching search next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had an awesome day. Got to enjoy a little Brewers daytime baseball. The game was played in like two hours and ten minutes. I saw a lot of Brewers beat reporters today tweeting that it's the second shortest Brewers game in history. This is what Kurt Hogue said. A two-hour, nine-minute game is the shortest nine-inning ball game played by the Brewers at home since 2008. The 2008 game was Ben Sheets versus Jake Peavy. So the new rules, and of course, Adrian Hauser. I mean, he's mowing people down these days. Adrian Hauser, the month of May, he's been unstoppable, at least for the last week. Madrian Hauser is more, it's more like it. He's actually really good today. So right now, the Brewers' aces are currently Colin Ray and Adrian Hauser. And when Wade Miley comes back, they'll have three aces. So maybe the Brewers starting pitching. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe the straights aren't that dire. Chuck it on Alaska. Thank you. I didn't have the lager schedule in front of me. Loggers open Monday in Eau Claire, and then on Tuesday night, they play Eau Claire and Lacrosse. A little home and home between the loggers and the Eau Claire Express. I haven't been to Carson Park in minute i miss when the pandemic was like really raging the summer of 2020 i mean i don't miss it it was a horrible time but one of the silver linings was it was kind of it was kind of a dirty thing to go to the bars at least in my friend group and that year i had two roommates and they were both homebodies introverts those two guys were staying at home anyways especially during the pandemic so if i like went to a bar they would they wouldn't be thrilled with me so I got to, you know, respect the people I live with. I, I wouldn't really go out. Now, my roommates, I am spilling my guts to you about this. My roommates both had girlfriends, so they didn't need to go out. They'd get all their social interaction in the apartment. Me, solo dolo, I'm like, I want to go see friends. I want to go, you know, try to flirt with women and fail miserably. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't go to the bars. My roommates didn't want that. So we'd go to Copeland Park. That was our bar. We would just go sit in the outfield, crush land shark loggers, watch baseball. It was probably cheaper than going to the bars, too, especially when you get the wristband deal. No one wants to hear about this. No one needs to hear about this. Talking Brewers, I want to talk Bucks coaching search in a few. Let's talk to Richie and Eau Claire first. 608-796-2558. What's up, Richie? I'm going to keep you on baseball for a little bit longer. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Get me back on and track, go, please. Go go Eau Claire Express. That's, that's my, my team up here. But, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I've been giving you a little bit of grief. It's obviously, I don't, uh, I don't actually think that uh, Ray and, and Hauser are, you know, Cy Young candidate, but it has definitely been fun to, uh, 
to jab at you since you've been ripping on them so hard, and the two of them have now combined for 16 and two-thirds scoreless in their last two outings. Well, that's been, that's been fun to watch. <laughs> Adrian Hauser, I'll give him his credit. The last two starts has been great. And I saw Jack Stern, uh, who writes for Reviewing the Brew, kind of breaking down the pitches that Adrian Hauser was using today, and now I'm trying to scramble to find it. Uh, his pitch mitts was a little bit different today. I think the last two starts... More fastballs is not all sinkers. I think maybe uh, up until recently he's been throwing a lot more sinkers, and I know this is a poor breakdown. I'm going to find these numbers, and then I'll share them when we're done with our call. But I think maybe he's getting his pitch mix figured out a little bit more, and maybe that's helped him the last couple times he's been out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then, you know, you were talking about, like, the speed of game. Like, it was it was entertaining because I was watching it, and I, you know, I even double-checked the start time of the game myself just to see where it was at because it was like, man, it's – the fifth inning is over, and it is not even an hour after the first pitch. Right. So, like, I kind of, fig- I kind of figured there'd be some pitching changes, and that would that would alter it a little bit. But I mean, they were on pace to finish that game in under two hours before some of those pitching changes. It was just crazy. Which is so insane. I, I apologize. I apologize. I'm getting an emergency phone call from my wife, so I'm going to have to get going. Oh yeah, you got to nice take. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> you, you as well, Richard. <laughs> Don't take that call. If it's your mom or your wife, you got to take it. Have a good one. And he's gone. That's Richie and Eau Claire. You got more important things to take care of. Talk to your wife. Always answer when it's your mom. Always answer when it's your wife. I found the data. So this is Jack Stern. Uh, brew Crew Ball. Excuse me. He is not reviewing the brew. He is Brew Crew Ball. Uh, the picks Mitch today was 23 four-seam fastballs, which are up. 34 sinkers. And then he did throw 10 sliders, one changeup, and five curveballs. But the point is... Not as many sinkers. Fastball is getting used a lot more. The sinker becomes a lot more effective when you're threatening with a fastball and you're pounding the fastball up in the zone. Well, now all of a sudden, the sinker is a lot tougher to hit. And you saw, how many ground balls did Adrian Hauser get today? Right? That's why the game was moving so quick. My my criticism and I guess my ugh with Adrian Hauser when he's been on the mound, at least over the last year or so, is he doesn't have the put-away pitches. He does not have the nasty stuff to end an inning. He'll get the first two outs, no problem, and then a walk a guy. He'll give up a single, and then he'll get two strikes on a guy, and he can't put him away. Like, it's just always the last out or the last strike that Hauser struggled to get, and that's because he doesn't have the stuff that Freddie Peralta has or Devin Williams or Corbin Burns. But if he can, if he can use that sinker effectively, he's a sinker guy, if he can use that sinker effectively, he can get a lot of ground balls and he can eat a lot of innings and he can move a game along, but only if the sinker is working. And part of the sinker working is you got to have the other pitch. You got to have the four-seam fastball. You need to be able to pound the gas up in the zone a little bit more to keep the hitters guessing. Because if it's just splitters and the hitters know that it's coming or, or sinkers, whatever language you want to use, it's all the same to me. I'm not a baseball coach or a pitcher, right? If you're going to throw a lot of sinkers and the hitters know it's coming, it's not as effective. You're not going to get the ground balls. You're going to walk a lot of guys because you don't have the stuff to attack the zone every other pitch. This is a good breakdown from Jack Stern. I appreciate that. I actually saw it because Onabam retweeted it, which anytime Onabam tweets something, I have to look twice at it because I'm like, is this a fake stat that you made up? And every once in a while, he'll just be really serious baseball analyst account. And it's kind of funny when that happens out of nowhere. 608-796-2558. You want to text or call the show? Let's talk to Ed and McGuanago. What's going on, Ed? Oh, not much, Grant. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good. I'm glad we have two Brewers wins to talk about today. We needed this. I, I needed something to discuss with the Brewers. It's nice. It's nice to see a little bit of a, well, just to win a series. You know, that it's a little uplifting. Yeah. To just trip our feet and get whopped, you know, like the 12 to nothing and like 18 or whatever it was. That's depressing, man. I am, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I laugh because it's such a Brewers win. Like I've been saying, you get contributions from Owen Miller and Brian Anderson and then Yoel Piomps, who was acquired into trade. But also, is it not the most Brewers thing? Is it not the most Craig Council thing to like win two out of three from the defending champs? after you've struggled against the lowly Rockies and the lowly Giants, it's like, of course, because, of course, that's what the Brewers would do. Yeah, and they get blown out by teams that aren't doing well. and just yeah, We have our greatest pitcher on the mound, and he, he can't do it. So, yeah, yeah and then, like, that, throw Adrian Hauser out there, and he has a great game. Well, there's a void at uh, ace. All these guys are vying to be the ace because Corbin Burns has been lacking, so they're all, they're all trying to claim the ace belt, and Adrian Hauser wants in on that. At least that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Yeah, you just never know what you're going to get with baseball. It's, no. it's crazy. I actually did. I wanted to talk to Bucks, actually. Let's do that. Let's uh, let's shift then. Hold on. Hold on. Stay right there. Uh, let's shift to the Bucks then. All right. Let's shift to this. Let's talk about the Bucks. What's on your mind? All right. So I don't I don't have a big opinion on like who we should get for coach. I'm just not that well informed. But you know whether it's Kenny Atkinson or Nick Nurse, I you know a change will be good. I think for the better. But what I'm hoping isn't necessarily like, uh, who do we get? But do we get someone that uses the players, and I'm doing air quotes, in the right way? You know, sure. I, I feel like Bud, a lot of complaints about Bud were, well, he didn't call a timeout here, and he didn't have, you know, just uh, line up underneath the basket for the inbounds play and those kinds of things. And granted, you know, he would make some questionable decisions in those situations. But I think it was more like, we use all these guys like Javon Carter and even Crowder and Ingles in the regular season, and then come the postseason, it's like I'm going to use these five, six, or seven guys, and I'm deadlocked yeah. on those guys, and not going to throw anybody into the rotation. And I, I, I don't know. I just a lot of people are talking. We got to, we got to change. You know, we got to trade some people. Maybe send Middleton or or send Drew Holiday out. Yeah. You know. Paying it back isn't the right idea, and I, I disagree with that because I don't think those guys, you know, not Middleton, I, I think he's still coming back from injury, but, like, we didn't use Crowder at all, and he even said, like, why am I here? You know what I mean? Yeah, so th- there's – I'm split on this. There's two wolves inside of me, right? One wolf is like, well, you tighten up rotations in the playoffs, right? Sometimes you only play – eight guys or you know you get into the conference finals into big meaningful games you might only play seven guys especially when you get into the second half so that's natural you're not gonna play nine or ten guys in in every playoff game but the other part of me the other wolf watches Eric Spolstra in the heat and he's found a way to get something out of everybody it's like Cody's dust off Cody Zeller dust off Duncan Robinson and it's like Jimmy Butler feeds off of that or Kyle Lowry, yeah. or, or like when some of those lesser known, the, the guys who play less, I think the whole team, they feed off of that. And I've read about the Heat. They like watching each other succeed. So I, I think there is a, a benefit to playing more guys just for the sake of like the vibes of the team. So you got to find the middle ground. You you only want to play your best players in the playoffs, but you also want to make the most of the roster you have. And, and that's the tightrope that every coach has to walk. And it's really hard. It's hard. 
Yeah, and Jimmy Butler was lighting up Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is an amazing defensive player, but he couldn't do it against against Jimmy Butler for whatever. And Jimmy Butler told him, "You can't do it. You can't guard me." Yeah, and he he didn't put it to him, and it was frustrating that Bud just stuck with that, you know, like not throw somebody else on him for a while and harass him. And, yeah, and and I, I think the other thing too, like I, I mentioned Devon Carter because. I think he was utilized a lot during the regular season, and the guys, they gel with him, you know, and they get used to playing with him. And then, you know, I understand your point. You can only play a certain number of guys, but then you get to the playoffs, and, like, these guys are just cold on the bench the whole time. Yeah. And and I, I think with, with running it back, like, you start to use those guys, and maybe we can find a way to, to get Carter or, um, I'm sorry, um, Javon Crowder. Carter, Jay Crowder. You mean yeah, Jay Crowder? Crowder and Paul Moore. Um, I don't feel like he he's kind of turned out just like um, Serge Ibaka, right? It's like we picked up Serge Ibaka, paid him ten million dollars, and like, where's Serge Ibaka? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I think that I don't think Crowder's it, it turned out that way. But I, I think there's still a use for Crowder. I think he can be a good addition coming into the next. Like it's just, it was just a wet fart of a playoff run. Not a lot went right. <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about it for years to come. Ed, I appreciate you. I got to take a break, and then we're going to talk coaching candidates. Yeah. All right, take care, Ed. Yeah, appreciate you, Ed. Ed calling us from McGuanago. That's the battle that NBA coaches fight. They need to find that balance between playing their best players as much as possible, but also taking advantage of their depth. And I think what Eric Spolster has done in this postseason and what the Heat have really done well is using depth guys and using guys off the bench to spell the starters 100%, but Spo and, and this Heat team has found a way where the starters feed off of those bench guys. Like, I think Jimmy Butler and Bam get enjoyment and get motivation and they get energy by Duncan Robinson coming in and, and playing really well for the first time in forever or Cody Zeller coming in and, and playing some nice minutes. I think the starters feed off of that. So an NBA coach has to find that balance. You want to play your good players as much as possible while also utilizing your depth while also, you know, playing to the strengths and the personalities of all your players and the way they feed off each other. It's really complicated. It's not easy. And it's a really fine line because if you use your depth too much, then you're not playing your starters, your stars enough. And that's a problem. But if you play your starters too much, you don't utilize your depth. Well, why did we even trade for Jay Crowder if he wasn't going to play? It's a really fine line. It's a tough job, and that's why so many coaches have been fired, especially in the East, because a lot of coaches are failing to find that balance and failing to, to, to find the right rotation and use the timeouts and all of the things. It's not an easy job. Let's talk coaching candidates, talk bucks, coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, good to talk Packers, OTAs, Jordan Love, expectations. We'll do that after five. We'll do that after five o'clock. That was my best uh, attempted at tease. We're going to talk all those things. I have a little audio to play you as well from Jordan Love, who spoke with the media yesterday. Right now, we're talking Bucks coaching search and how tough it is to be a coach in the NBA. I was just talking with Ed McGuanago, first time he'd called in a while. And we were talking about how every coach needs to walk that fine line in the postseason 
between playing his best players, his superstars, as much as possible, while also making good use of the depth on the roster. And Spo is doing that. The Heat are a little bit of an interesting case because I don't think there is a big drop-off between the third best player on the Heat right now and the sixth or the seventh. And that's not the case on the Sixers or the Bucks or the Celtics. So the Heat are a little bit of a unique case study. But I think Spo understands and has a feel for how his players feed off of each other. So if if Duncan Robinson comes in and hits two threes, that's worth six points to the Heat. But I also think that that, that team is tight in such a way, and Eric Spolster knows that, that when Duncan Robinson comes in, hits a couple of shots, that gives some extra juice, some extra energy to the starters, right? And that's something that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. So an NBA coach has to kind of have a feel for those connections between his players and how they feed off of each other and really set their rotations to match. And Spolster's done a good job. Again, I think the Heat are an outlier of a team in the way that their roster is set up, especially with some of their injuries. But Bucks. The three finalists, Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, and Nick Nurse. I'm leaning Atkinson. I'll be fine with any of the three. I'll talk myself into him. Let's talk to uh, one of our coaching experts, our coaching correspondent, if you will, Tony from Texas, 608-796-2558. What's up, Tony? So what's interesting, Grant, as an AAU coach, there's a little bit of a correlation to AU coaching and NBA playoff coaching because in an AU tournament you get about five games. You got to win all four to get to the championship usually. And my team has had won three in a row. Finally lost in the finals of the last tournament. But with that being said, you don't want to ride your good player, your star player, in the beginning of the, of the of the tournament. Which in the NBA playoffs, obviously Jimmy Butler has been that guy, but now we're seeing other players step up like Duncan Robinson and, and guys like that, Caleb Martin. Uh, even uh, Cody, what Zeller is even giving yeah. him some good minutes. That might be the most amazing so, hey, one of all to me. Like, I, okay, Gabe Vincent, yeah. Duncan Robinson hitting threes. Cody Zeller playing well in a conference finals blows my mind. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, hey, do you remember, let's go down memory row here. Do you remember when Coach Bud, the knock on him was he didn't play his stars enough? He yeah. didn't play Giannis enough? I was going to bring that up. Yeah, because that's what well, we used to say about now this all of a sudden it's flipped, and I thought Bud should be fired, but now it's flipped that he's playing his really good players too much. Uh, yeah, he could have gotten a little bit more creative, gotten Javon Carter, I thought deserved more minutes, less Drew Holiday on the ball, more Javon Carter, uh, you know, switch things up with Jimmy Butler. And I don't like Giannis's, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, I, I wanted to cover Butler, but I don't cover Butler. I don't like that one, blame it on Bud. So, uh, you know, there's some things going on there that I don't understand what what was I mean I thought Charles Lee was the guy you know that was in between Bud and the players that was the guy that's going to be the buffer you know talk through these things but yeah. you know ultimately Bud lost his job I just I don't know if it was strategic or just bottom line performance but um, yeah they got to do a better job and that being said I, here's the guy Kenny Atkinson I said this before the process started before any of these names even came out Grant I've been watching this dude he came from from uh, the, the Spurs. Worked his way up. Then he got to the Nets, did a really good job with Dinwiddie and all those guys at the Nets. And then KD and Kyrie came in and said, no, we don't want that guy. That was bizarre, right? Because it it seemed like KD and Kyrie, they were attracted to kind of this rejuvenation that was going on in Brooklyn. It was this fun, youthful team with lots of upcoming players. And Kenny Atkinson was a huge part in creating that, right? The, The reason they wanted to go there in the first place. Very weird. And ultimately, they paid the price. 
They paid the price for integrity. That's why you never, never give up your integrity. That's what the Nets did. And then Kenny Atkinson did the smart move, went to Golden State, and, and almost kind of like what Joe Barry's doing with the Packers, went to Golden State and, and re, you know, got reinvigorated. Now I think that's the guy. Uh, also, hey, let's. I want to go segue to the, to, uh, to my guy Aaron Rodgers, Big Apple Aaron. Sure. You know, Peter Bukowski's been talking about him a lot, and I just saw that Aaron's been watching these 30 for 30 documentaries on the Mets. He's embracing the New York lifestyle. Um, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers right now is going all in on New York. Does that, as a Packer fan, upset anyone out there? Uh, I think some fans will be upset. I realized that this was not going to happen in Green Bay, right? And I've, tr- I've tried to say this. I said, hey, guys, he's going to go to New York. And he's going to be all in and he's going to be rejuvenated and excited and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to think, why didn't he do that in Green Bay? It was never going to happen in Green Bay, right? This was only going to happen if he went somewhere else, right? So I think we need to understand that and and factor that into how we react to what Aaron Rodgers is doing. You know what I mean? Now, Grant, is this like the ultimate breakup with the girlfriend and... Yeah, I mean, are you you know you know what I'm talking about, and you're reinvigorated. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, like if if my girlfriend partner. were to dump me because I let myself go, right? And I and I you know I put on some weight, and I just I didn't I wasn't working, and I was being a bum, and she broke up with me, and that was my rock bottom. That woke me up to then start working out and get a job. She can't be like, well, so now you work out, now you get it. Well, yeah, I hit rock bottom. That mm-hmm. was my. It's kind of the same here, right? The Rogers and the Packers have been together for so long. Rodgers has gotten comfortable. This was the the reinvigoration he needed. This wasn't going to happen when he was with the Packers. Right. I always like Aaron Rodgers. I have nothing against the man. He did so much for for the Packers and ultimately it was it ran its course. So I th- I find it interesting fascinating to see what Aaron Rodgers how he plays this year and how things are developing. And lastly Grant our Brewers win a couple of games, a battle oh, yeah. of the cheating teams, the Astros and the Brewers, two cheating hey. squads. They've been hey. two sketchy histories there. Ryan Braun, oh, Christian Yelich and the whole Astros crew. Oh, I mean, come, let's get real. Hey, hey, hey. This is David Stern's written all over it both these these franchises. We can joke lightly that Yelich was stealing signs or the Brewers were up to something in 18. We can lightly crack fun, but don't lump them in with the Astros who are convicted, pro- proven cheaters. Okay. That's, that's different. That's, hey, Grant, I got to ask you really quick. Did yeah. you ever cheat on a test in college? Um, That's a yes. No, well, I'm trying to think. Well, okay, well, the first thing is I didn't take a lot of exams. I did research papers because that was my degree. Did I you ever plagiarize anyone? No, it would have been, it would have, no, I never, no. I don't mind, I didn't mind writing. I'm trying to think of an example where I cheated. Well, here's the point I'm trying to say. It's like, you get caught up in things sometimes, right? To just keep up with the Joneses. Sure. So I I could see the Brewers actually not getting caught for some of this stuff. I know I'm kind of like saying this in jest, but I do think there was a lot of that going on. And the Astros were the ones that took the fall and, you know, were going rampant with it, but... Uh, I, I don't hate the Astros. I actually appreciate that they want to win. <laughs> you know? uh, I can't. I can't get with you there. And uh, on the test taking and the keeping up with the Joneses, I was never that dialed in on trying to be valedictorian. No. So I, I was keeping up with the the B minus C plus students. That was my goal. If I could be with them or yeah, be slightly, I hear better. you. Just get through it. Hey, Grant, tomorrow I want to give you my top five MLB power ranks for uh, stadiums, tomorrow? ballparks. Okay. I'm down. Tomorrow, let's do that tomorrow. Right. Hey, think list. about some of yours. You've been to a few of them, right? Uh, I've been to three at least. Oh, I've been to Wrigley. That's four. Um, I've been, to, yeah, I've been to four. I've been to Miller Park slash American Family Field, Target Field, Wrigley. I've been to Safeco in Seattle. 
And I think that's it. I think. I'll, well, I'll some, some of your listeners, time. yeah, some of your listeners might be looking for a summer road trip. So let's let's talk through this tomorrow with your listeners. All right, Tony. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. All right. Tony, Have a good night, Grant. You as well, Tony in Texas. Yeah, we could do that tomorrow. It's summer. I'll power rank something every day. I don't really care. So Tony's in on Kenny Atkinson. I think that's my guy as well. Listen to Kenny Atkinson's resume. Coaching is a profession unlike any other. So he was a four-year starter. He played point guard at Richmond, made a couple sweet 16s. Then he played in Italy, France, the Netherlands, Germany, and Spain. He became a director of player personnel for Metropolitan's 92, Metro 92, which is where Wembenyama just came from in Paris. At the time when he became the director of player personnel, Daryl Morey was also there. He convinced Daryl to give him a job there. So he served as a, a director of player personnel. After being an international player, he worked on an international team in Paris. Served as a Knicks assistant under Dan Tony for four years. Then Bud in Atlanta for four years. Head coach of the Nets for three years. Assistant under Ty Lue. Assistant under Steve Kerr. That's insane. And you know what? The resume for Nick Nurse is even longer. These coaches go through so much. Go look at a Wikipedia page for a coach. You will be blown away how many times they move, how many times they change jobs, go from this team to that team, this country to that country. Actually insane. Six countries, assistant under three coaches, head coach, six countries. If I visit six countries in my life, let alone work in six countries, I'll feel accomplished. Let's talk to Cone Roller real quick. We got a couple minutes before we got to take a break. What's going on, Cone? Hey, Grant. You know, some would call the Cooley region its own country. Sometimes it feels like it. I mean, we just have our own culture and we have our, our own thing going on here. I think you're right about that, Cone. Good take. So that's at least two if you've gone to Milwaukee <laughs> and then back home to the cross. Yeah. So, yeah well, and, and the guy on uh, Colin Cowherd's show said that Chicago is basically Afghanistan, and I'm going to Chicago next month, so that can be a third country for me. And you've been out to Palm Springs Desert. I mean, that's its own country. You've been out to San Diego. Some Americans wish that was its own country. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. I've never left the borders, but man, I've I've seen a lot within this this beautiful country from sea to shining sea, basically. Although I've never been to the East Coast. Yeah, the main reason I called in though was to discuss some toxic discourse that I think you are fueling some fire on. Okay. About. Okay overrating Eric Spolstra and the the thing you did with Paul Emig today on the, on the Bart Winkler show of picking players and drafting the whole NBA and Spolstra would still be a first-round pick. I think that is very toxic. I mean, we talk all the time. Coaching doesn't really matter. Regular season doesn't really matter. But we're drafting a coach in the first round when you got any NBA player to pick from. I mean, I'd take flyers on these young rookies coming out of college before I'd pick any head coach. So the topic was, if we were to draft the NBA, execs, coaches, players, how many players would come off the board before maybe you'd take Eric Spolstra? I, dude, you're going to think I'm nuts. I might take him top 20. Forget the first round. I might, I might take Spolstra top 20 because there are a lot of good players in the NBA. I don't know how many difference makers there are in the NBA. Like, I would probably, just guys off the top of my head, Giannis, Jokic, Tatum, Embiid, Luka, Wemby, SGA, Paolo, Anthony oh. Edwards, Halliburton. Then it starts to get interesting for me. Like, Jalen Brown or or De'Aaron Fox. I might take Spo over those guys. 
Come on, really? Yeah, I think I would. De'Aaron Fo- Fox, the Kings were nothing with him for years. They, and, and then all of a sudden they get Sabonis and they're a good team. But I, I just don't know how much the 20th best player in the league gets you. I don't know how far that yeah, gets you. Eric Spolstra between LeBron and Jimmy Butler, he didn't do anything either. I mean, it's, just, it's kind of the same. It's the same side of the coin that you're arguing here. Yeah, I know. I know. But you you would have to get the players. I, I just look. I think Eric Spolstra, and, and we can talk about this coming up. I want to keep talking about coaching. I think Eric Spolstra being so far above every other coach, I think that's just as much of an indictment on the rest of the league as it is a compliment to Eric Spolstra. This league is is really bereft of good coaches right now, at least good coaches on, on good rosters. I agree, and I think both can be true as much as it yes. pains me to say that. Yeah, I think Spo's very good. I also think this year – Suppose greatness was exaggerated by every other coach, Doc Rivers and Bud and, and Missoula, all these other coaches on the other contenders. They just didn't have it this year. So I think it's a little bit of both. So I guess I, I, I guess I have a hypothetical then for you. Can you? Would you trade? Yep. Yeah, go ahead. We got to do this oh. quick. I got to take a break in a minute. Okay. I, I'll ask you this question then. Jump off. Okay. Would you trade Drew Holiday for Eric Spolstra straight up? Interesting. I'm going to ponder that. And I'm going to come back and answer it. I promise, Cone. But I do have to take a break. Sounds good. Thanks, Grant. All right. Appreciate it. That's Cone Roller. Follow him on Twitter. Drew Holiday for Eric Spolster straight up. We'll debate and discuss. Embrace debate next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show hour number one just flew by didn't it oh my god where did the time go an interesting hypothetical from our friend cone roller would you trade drew holiday for eric spolstra straight up this offseason i'm not sure of my answer part of me really wants to say yes the other part of me is like god no so i'm gonna think about it for two more minutes we'll discuss next hour two after this runs in that first, and Owen Miller in the center field, hits it well, on the run goes Myers, and he's looking up, goodbye! Owen Miller does it again! This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. We're talking Bucks coaching search. They've narrowed their group of finalists down to three per Adrian Wojnarowski. It's down to Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, and Nick Nurse. One of those men will become the next head coach of the Bucks, and the runner-up gets to produce the Bill Michaels show, I hear. That's <laughs> if Nick Nurse doesn't get the Bucks job, then he'll just take over for Ben Kenny starting next week. That's the that's the consolation prize. Got a really interesting hypothetical from our friend and contributor and caller Cone Roller right before that last break. We've been talking a lot about Eric Spolstra and the good job that he's done with the Heat. The question is, would you trade Drew Holiday for Eric Spolstra straight up? Buy or sell? Puff or pass? Paper or plastic? Smoking or non-smoking? I don't I don't know. I should send all of those to the voice guy. I'm just going to say, he's going to get the email. You want me to, 
You want me to record myself saying what? You want you want what now? Yeah, paper or plastic? You heard me. Buy or sell? Yes or no? You would trade Drew Holiday for Eric Spolstra straight up. I don't know what to do with this one. Now, okay, look at it this way. This is this is why I this is why I I can't answer this or I'm struggling to answer this. If this was a free market, if we put all of the assets in the NBA, coaches, execs, players, if everyone was available and I had the 10th overall pick or the 15th overall pick, I would 100% take Eric Spolstra before I took Drew Holiday. So if it was if it was all the same, it was all equal, and I was starting a team from scratch, I would take Eric Spolstra before I took Drew Holiday. But given where this team is and their inability to add guys, because they don't have much money and they don't have any assets to trade, I don't, I don't know. That's really interesting, Cone. I don't know. Let's talk to Daniel and Madison. Maybe he has an answer. 608-796-2558. What's going on, Daniel? Well, I think that you have to be smoking to trade Eric Spolstra for Drew Holiday. Interesting. The, the Heat or the Bucks would have to be smoking? The Bucks. Oh. I, you, you don't give up. I don't think you give up a premium point guard for a coach. Like, that... that that doesn't compute in my mind when it comes to like when it comes down to it. I don't think that coaching in the NBA is important at all. So maybe that's a start. What there. Do you, okay, okay. Expound on that. When you say coaching isn't important, obviously coaching is important. But when you say it's not, what do you mean by that? Obviously, we've talked a lot about coaching. What do you not buy into that other people are buying into with coaching? Well, I I think system is more important than the physical act of coaching, if, if that makes sense. So the groundwork like, and the scheme that the coach institutes is more important than what he does during the game? Absolutely. Gotcha. Um, like, you, you see Milwaukee, as an example, going from Jason Kidd's scheme to Bud's scheme and just watch them win an extra 20 games per season after Jason Kidd left, right? Yeah. Um uh, so, I mean, that's regular season success, whatever. They also won a championship using Bud's scheme, so that's great. I don't think that Bud really changed anything from a coaching during the game standpoint. I don't I, I don't know that he does anything different and anything really changes. Because once you get to the playoffs, it's about the players. Yeah. And it's about them making it happen and, and – that's all that really matters. So, great, you have a coach that can get you 60 wins a season, but if it doesn't yield championships and you bow out of the playoffs, what did it really do for you? Yeah, and I think that's why maybe the Bucks job, it would be appealing to me if I was a coach coming in because I don't think there's a lot of groundwork to be done for whoever takes over the Bucks job. I think you come into town and you can keep 80, 90% of the stuff exactly the same. You run a lot of the same looks and sets during the regular season because it's worked. You win lots of games. It's just the next coach needs to have a second and a third pitch. You know what I mean? Like you can't just throw fastballs when you get into the playoffs you need to be able to tweak and and you know adapt to opponents notice i'm trying not to say the word adjustments because that's the only word i ever hear the bucks need to find a coach that makes adjustments bud made adjustments during their championship run he's made adjustments before it's a little bit more complicated than that but i'm with you system matters daniel and i think whoever comes in to replace bud 
can keep a lot of the system the same. It's just, you know, tweaking little things here and there. I, I did have one other issue that I wanted to discuss about Eric Spolstra. Um, you mentioned taking him in the top 20 of an overall draft of everything in the NBA. Yeah. Um, is that just based on this year? So part of me like I, part of me wants to complain about how Eric Spolstra is overrated. And, and, and he's not, but bear with me. Spolstra won two titles with LeBron. I, I'm just saying... If that was another coach, we would say that we'd say that that's underachieving. I think a lot of people would say that two and four years for LeBron with that super team is underachieving, right? I, I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we would say that about a super team. And then they were in the wilderness for ten years, but part of that was because he didn't have any great players. I, I also think Eric Spolster gets the benefit of being the underdog a lot because he doesn't have Giannis, he doesn't have the roster that Boston has, he doesn't have Embiid. So even if they fall short of the finals like they did last year, or, or even if they come up short of winning the finals this year, I think they'll ultimately lose to Denver. He gets credit for overachieving, right? It's an easy position to get credit in when you're not expected to actually go all the way, but you can surprise folks and, and punch above your weight. I, I just think Eric Spolster is in the perfect spot to get as much credit as possible while also minimizing blame for whatever might go wrong. Does that make sense? Yes, and that's exactly why he's overrated. So, well, or maybe not even overrated, but he's, he's a great NBA coach. But I guess my argument is that it doesn't matter. Once you actually get to a certain level, right, you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you get to the, the finals, I don't think your coach is really mattering at that point. Like, even in the first round, if Jimmy Buckets doesn't go off and turn into Jesus Christ on the basketball floor, <laughs> sure. then it doesn't matter. Like, having Eric Spolster on your team doesn't matter if Jimmy Butler doesn't go nuclear. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I agree. Like, Bud should have told Giannis to make his free throws. He should have, you know, there's a lot of things that were out of Bud's control. Uh, and last thing, you know, we can say about Spo, and then I'm going to let you go, Daniel. I, I think Spolstra looks so good this year, and he might be the best coach in basketball, but the fact that he's matched up with Bud and Doc and Joe Missoula, who's as green of a rookie head coach as you'll find, like, I think the praise that Spolster is getting is, yes, it's it's due to Spolster, but it's also due to the fact that there's not a lot of elite coaches coaching contenders right now. Like, Pop is coaching the Spurs, who suck. And, and, and Steve Kerr is coaching the Warriors, who weren't as good as the Lakers or the Nuggets. So I think that's part of the reason Spo looks so good, is the rest of the league just isn't in a great spot coaching-wise, especially the contenders in the playoffs. It also helps that your role players are absolutely a hundred percent outperforming what they, how they normally play. But, but yes, and I and I don't think that they're outperforming their regular season prowess because their coach is a better coach. I think that they're just elevating their game because that's what good NBA players do. Yeah, regardless of coach. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Absolutely, Daniel. I'm going to let you go. Appreciate you. This is good conversation. Of course. Have a good no one. Problem. It's Daniel in Madison. It's worth noting that the Heat are shooting above their weight the last couple of series. Like, they're really shooting the ball well. But I, I think it's also because the Heat shot so poorly for the entire regular season. Right? The numbers that they're shooting now are, I think, closer to what they've always been. Like, we're seeing a truer version of, uh, of guys like Duncan Robinson 
and guys like Gabe Vincent, like all those guys had such a poor regular season. So now they start start shooting well in the, the postseason. We're like, oh my God, where did this come from? Well, this is a lot closer to what these guys have been. They just had such a, a down, such a poor regular season, which is which is bizarre. This Heat team is is such a weird case study. And I think Spo is a really good coach. And I think he's created something and then fostered an environment and a culture in Miami that's one of one. And I give him all the credit in the world for that. I think this year's Heat team is also just a wild outlier. I don't know that we can draw a ton of conclusions from this team. I think they're a little New England Patriots-ish. Not in that they're winning all these championships and not that Eric Spolster is one of the, you know, the three or four best coaches ever or whatever you believe uh, Bill Belichick to be. I think they're Patriots-ish in that you can't recreate this elsewhere. And you can't recreate it with other players. Like, you, you, teams tried. You couldn't recreate what Belichick and Brady had in Houston. And Houston tried. Like, a lot of, a lot of teams have tried to poach New England executives and coaches and recreate it. it. It just hasn't worked. And I think what Spo has done works with Jimmy Butler, and it works with this collection of guys. But I don't think you could create this somewhere else. I think this is unique. So, yes, we can appreciate what the Heat are doing and, and try to to take parts of it and apply it to our own team. But I, I do also think they're a, a very unique situation and, and they're one of one. So I don't know that we should start, you know, making decisions around the rest of the league based on what the Miami Heat are doing. I think they're kind of an outlier. Dave from Monona, 608-796-2558. What's up, Dave? God, is cornmeal corn, is getting, getting stupid again? A, a point guard for a coach? Come on, cornhole. So, by, by the that, way, I, I should point out, Cone would not do that. He, he's he's tweeting about oh, it right now. Okay, Cone, Cone okay. would not do it. He's just asking the question. Well, I, well the fact that he asked the question, he should, he should be suspended <laughs> for a month anyway. Yeah. To, 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 ask some, to ask something that dumb. But, no, but you, but you do got to treat Holiday. Holiday's got to go. They got to get younger. They're not going to bring this cast of players. doesn't matter if you got God coaching them. And by the way, the Bucks would have won the first series of Giannis putting up his dead ass and just guarded Butler. There would we'd be talking a whole different story. Giannis, he's the best player in the world. He didn't guard the best player for three days. That's on you. But no, but Holiday's got to go. You've got to get younger. I don't know what you got to do, but this team's got to get younger point guard. Middleton's got to go, but he won't because he's Giannis's you know good friend. Come on, Middleton brought no value in the last three years. He had a couple of good games three years ago. Oh, in the in the their that. finals run, he brought a lot of value. Last year and this year, a not couple, so yeah, much, a couple but. of quarters. He he had a couple of quarters where he went crazy. Outside of a couple of quarters, Middleton didn't bring him for forty million dollars. But, but isn't but isn't that all you need from your supporting cat? Like, look at the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, if he can have an amazing fourth quarter every once in yeah, a while, that's true. yeah, that's all you need yeah, sometimes. That's true. Yeah. Wow, and it'd be nice to have a guy. Um, Golden State Scott is, is their number two. Thompson, you, you, Clay. You, if, if this team had a if this team had a Thompson on it, but um, it's a White Horse. He's, you know, he's been you know, this is even White Horse, right? He's been known to pull some um. Oh, the they had, but no, the Bucks got to, you know, <laughs> yes, the Bucks got to do something cornmeal or corn maze or cornhole or oh, yeah, wouldn't that be God. cool to put, put cornhole in a corn maze, put a little piece of cheese and watch. Watch cornhole get lost. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't. But hey, are you gonna uh, what to do with this? We'll have to see who's gonna go to get the. Oh, gonna go with the Packers, man. Getting uh, up there in Green Bay, the, the draft. That's gonna be sweet. Would you go to the draft in person, Dave? Would you go check that it out? That is on. 
It's on my bucket list before I die, and hopefully I'll still be around in 20, uh, what, what the hell year is that? 2025. Yeah, 2025. I got three things. 2024 is to be at the inauguration for Donald Trump. I told the doctor, keep me alive till then. <laughs> the Packer draft and the Alaska cruise. But yeah, if they're talking about having that thing outside, because they can't have it at the Rush Center, so it's got it's got to be held outside, I'm guessing. I think it's going to, yeah, it'll probably be, it, it might be in Lambeau Field or it might be in Titletown, in, somewhere in the Titletown district. I don't, Hell I don't yeah, know. Hell yeah, I'm going to go. It. My boss, my boss, they're already talking already. We, got, we, we Our general manager lives in Howard. And I already told him, I go, I go, I don't care what it costs. If I got a scalp a ticket, we're going on Thursday night. That's yeah. the night you got to go. We're going on Thursday night just to say we've been there. And, oh, yeah, that's, that's part of my territory is Green Bay and the Appleton area. Okay. So, I'm also going to start hitting up some favors from two years from now, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, other day, so the Brewers won today, huh? So that's a, one last thing for all you Brewer fans yesterday. I wanted to get through. Yeah. You guys all whined you wanted to give Corbin Burns an extension. The Milwaukee's been burned the last 20 years nice. by giving pitchers, Teddy Aguirre people, um, who's uh, Brian Braun? Supon. You know, Pickle Yellish. Pickle. Yeah, Pickle Yellish. You're not, you're, these pitchers are gone. Last year, you're not going to give extensions. They're just going to trade them and restock. And you're in the worst day of division. You got the Cubs. Cubs stink. Cardinals stink. Brewer fans, you're going to win the division by 10 games. And then Great Council will do something stupid in game five or six. <laughs> and then I can laugh. Um, there is there is a lesson to be learned. I don't know if long-term contracts are ever a good idea, Dave. You know what I mean? Right. Pictures. For, for most teams. For most players, like yep. if you're giving out a ten-year deal, it's oh, just probably God, not going to. You're probably it's probably not going to work out well. Now, if you're the Every Mets one of or the those, Yankees, if you have few yep. money and it doesn't matter, okay, knock yourself out. But find yep. the last long-term contract that worked out well for a small market team. Zero. There, there hasn't been one. Every one of the ten-year contracts, they, they've all been miserable failures. Unless you're like Machada, who had it out after four years. Every one has been a bust. So it's like. Okay, go ahead and sign a guy. I tickle yellowish. Yeah. Seven years. I understand why they did it after back-to-back phenomenal years. But, no, you, you don't these pictures, trade them. Restock the farm system. You'll go in the division again next year. It sucks, but uh, all we got now is Badger football. Hopefully they go 0-13 and we'll be all set. Why do you want them to go 0-13? Because I, I told you I can't. I hate Badger players. I like great. Anyway, yeah. They're kids. Uh, who's the guy yesterday? You can't hate on the kid. They're oh, student they, athletes. They're, these are men looking. For, oh yeah, did you see that special on, on Channel TV? Yeah, women, women volleyball player and Chucky. The money they're making on their little um, their nil deals is like. Well, they're worth I got, a lot okay, of money. Okay, I got a question for corn, cornhole and corn base. Okay, Cor- cornhole. You tell me anybody who's going to buy a product because Chucky. And that Henderson chick, our sponsoring our Graham merch. You tell me who's buying the product because those players are sponsored it, and I'm going to sell you a bridge over the Sahara Desert. Well, it's. I think it's. Well, I, look, I'm not an expert on this. Cone's a booster. You can ask Cone next time you're in a Twitter space. Uh, you, you, yeah, Cone's a booster. It's it's a little bit more complicated than Graham Mertz sells a T-shirt with his face on it. You know, these are these are athletes that are providing so much value. How many people watched Wisconsin volleyball the last couple of years? People people yeah, okay. were watching. I, I, I got an answer for that. There's a lot of a lot of value in that. Nope, I got an answer for that. Okay, 
season ticket holders were there before the volleyball players, and they'll be there after the volleyball it's, players. It's they bring just, no it's value. Just, it's not just season ticket holders. It's the rest of the state who all of a sudden is watching the Badgers on TV and Big Ten Network. But they were there before. They were, some, wa- some, they were watching all. me. Not all. There, there are lots well, of not volleyball. Okay, I, I, let's go. Let's go. Football is more relevant. Sure, they were there before. It's Ron Dane and Anthony Thompson and Monty Ball. They were there before them. They're there after them. So for, for these guys to say they bring value and name like name like this, no, they bring zero value. People, they were there before. They're there afterwards. You are suckers. <laughs> You're all pigeons. I don't. I'd rather ag- buy a Wisco. I, hey, I'd rather buy a Wisco Grant T-shirt. And we can all dance around our Lululemons. I don't agree with what you're saying. I'm entertained, though. i got to let you go. And by the way, we're getting some... some all right, buddy. Thanks, Dr. D. Appreciate you. That's, yeah. that's right, man. Dr. D and Dr. Roots Westheimer. That's who I am. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. D. This is Dave from Monona. I am... Um, there's just so much that's wrong in that call. And I wasn't around in the late 80s and the before times before... Barry Alvarez really rejuvenated the program. I don't know that they were there before. Well, the season ticket holders are there before, and they'll be there after. I don't know that they were there before. We've gotten so used to success with Badger Athletics, and I like I don't know. I'm not speaking to the economics of girls volleyball because girls volleyball, just like men's baseball or men's track and field, these sports are not financial money makers for the school. I know financial money makers is redundant, but you know what I'm saying. Football brings in almost all of the money. Basketball brings in a little. Football and basketball pay for the other sports. So it's not that volleyball is bringing in millions of dollars into the athletic department. But the amount of people that are paying attention to volleyball the last couple of years. And don't tell me that it's always been this way. I was in a lacrosse bar last winter, whenever that would have, it would have been December, right? December, early January. When did the, the national championship came? The whole bar was watching. The, the dance floor was was packed, and everyone had paused to watch the final set in lacrosse. So don't tell me that that was the thing before this team got great and, and these girls. My parents know the names of all these girls and what they're good at and where they're from. That brings a lot of value. Why are we arguing this, Dave? This is such a dumb thing to argue. Not You're very wrong. I'm entertained by you being wrong. But also, why did we were talking Bucks coaching search? Well, let's take a break. We'll get back into Bucks coaching search. We'll do a little bit on Jordan Love and Packers OTAs before 6 o'clock. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Incredible call from Dr. D, Dave from Monona. There's just so much wrong with what you said, Dave. Like, the Badgers athletics stuff is just so wild. You know how much money these programs bring in? Specifically football and basketball a little bit. Volleyball's not bringing in, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Although, maybe Wisconsin volleyball's a little different. I'll have to go look, but... You know, in the college sports landscape, and we learned this during the pandemic, football makes almost all of the money. And the money that comes in from football comes into the university, pays for the other sports that aren't lucrative. And I love swimming as much as the next guy. But Badger Swimming's not selling out the auditorium and selling a bunch of concessions and season tickets. You know what I mean? 
I love swimming. I love track and field. Big cross-country guy, but that's not bringing in a ton of money for the university. So, yeah, Chucky Hepburn and Graham Mertz, even though Graham Mertz turned out to be not great, although opinions still, you know, differ and vary on how he'll do in the SEC this year. We might need to have one final conversation with Ben Kenny this week that includes his final prediction for what comes next for Graham Mertz. So stay tuned. Maybe we can get him later this week if he's not too busy before he heads back to Philly. And again, with this Bucks coaching search, it's either going to be Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, or Nick Nurse. The The winner of this coaching search will obviously coach the Bucks, And then the, the, the second place guy, the runner-up, is going to become the new producer of the, the Bill Michael show. Nick Nurse is taking over Ben Kenny's seat. 608-796-2558. Just so much wrong with what Dave said, but God, I love Dave. Cone Roller says Taco Bell equals Johnny Davis. Every time I drink a Mountain Dew, I think of Chucky. <laughs> Duncan Holman says Dave just says he has Lululemons. Yeah, if you're relatively new to the show, Dave is under the impression. First of all, Dave is blind. Dave cannot see. Dave's under the impression that I wear Lululemons. Dave, Lululemons is too expensive, man. I, I can't afford Lululemons. I, I can't. I don't have to dress up for work, and I don't play golf. I don't really have a reason to own Lululemons. I'm wearing a pair of Nike running shorts today. Not the short, short ones. They, they do end right above my knees, but they're not like short, short, short shorts. Uh, but yeah, Dave always references Lululemons. I don't own any Lululemon pants, but I'm, I'm glad that that's what Dave lobs on to. John Boy says, for Dave... They were paid before NIL, and they'll be paid after. We just have a way to monitor it now. Yes and yes and no. We certainly have more ways to monitor it now than beforehand. It's still very much a wild, wild west. I'm not the authority on this. Don't make me talk about this. Have, have Zach explain this to you. Have Ben Kenny explain this to you before he leaves town. I'm not this college sports, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a man of great knowledge of college sports. Let's put it that way. But I do know that Chucky Hepburn has value. And especially at Wisconsin last couple of years, those volleyball players have value. They deserve to make some of that money. This text says the Heat and the Panthers will both bring Florida championships. Bet it while you can still get a good price in a parlay. Who is this? I don't know who this is. Send me betting slips. I don't know that the Heat are winning the finals. I think it's going to be Nuggets. And I... I don't mean to bet against the Heat because people have been doing that for a couple of rounds now. Although I, I stopped betting against the Heat, well, really once they beat the Bucks, They were better than the, the Knicks. The Knicks are kind of an overachieving Tom Thibodeau try-hard team, and I say that with all due respect. But once the Heat beat the Bucks, I'm like, well, everything goes out the window. Everything. I wasn't going to bet against the Heat after that, but I will do so if they are able to make the finals, and they probably will. They probably should. Probably going to win game five. Well, this conference finals could get interesting. People keep pointing out no team has ever come back from down 0-3. And if it was ever going to happen, this might be a scenario in, in which we could see it. Because the Celtics are much better. And Vegas relatively still likes the Celtics. The, the series is still relatively, again, relatively close to even money. For a series that's 3-1, right? For a series that has gone the way that it's gone so far, the money is still close-ish to even. Vegas still likes the Celtics. Not to win, but the odds aren't you know, slam dunk that the Heat are going to move on. So maybe the series does get interesting. I'm intrigued. Kenny Atkinson we were talking about. Adrian Griffin and Nick Nurse are the other two names for the Bucks. Eric Name put out a really awesome article at The Athletic earlier this week. Common, common Eric Name W. Lots of good details 
uh, on the background of these coaches and what makes these coaches the coaches that they are. There's one theme throughout. All high-level coaches have stopped a million different places. I was talking with Kenny Atkinson. I wasn't talking with him, talking about him. Played in six different countries after college. Was director of player personnel in France for a professional team. He was assistant under three NBA coaches, Mike D'Antoni, Coach Bud. Then he was under Ty Lue. Now he's under Steve Kerr. He was a head coach for a couple of years in Brooklyn, just all over the place. Adrian Griffin played at Seton Hall, then went overseas for a while, played in Italy, then came back, joined the Celtics, and went on to play nine years in the NBA. Dallas, Houston, Chicago, Seattle. He was on the Bucks at the very end of his career, and the Bucks cut him. But they said, hey, stay on as a coach. You're the type of player, Adrian Griffin was the type of player you see go into coaching. Long NBA career as a hustle guy, as a defense guy, as a vibes guy, understands the game very well, maybe isn't the most talented, maybe wasn't the blue chip recruit, but really found a way to make it work in this league. And a lot of coaches kind of come from a background like that. So he's an assistant for 15 years. Tom Thibodeau in Chicago, Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City. He was with Nick Nurse under the Raptors. He was on contending teams. Those Bulls teams in the early 2010s, contenders. Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, James Harden, contending teams. Won a finals with Nick Nurse in Toronto. So he's been under some good coaches in great situations. He's got a defensive background, which matches his profile as a player. But per Eric Name, and this is something that I learned, from reading Eric name this week, Nick nurse allowed Adrian Griffin to work on lots of things and work in different departments and on different things in Toronto because he wanted to give Adrian Griffin a chance to become a more well-rounded coach. So he's also a former player. I know that's something that the bucks are interested in. Maybe that leads. I, I read Adrian Griffin as someone who's got a little Nick nurse in him, but in a, in a different, in a different delivery system. Like we want a lot of the, eclectic uh, kind of outside of the box ideas and, and ways of coaching a team, but we want it with a different personality. We don't want it coming from the mouth of Nick nurse. We want those wacky ideas and, and freedom to explore and creativity. We want it coming from someone else, maybe a former player who can relate a little bit better to our guys. Maybe that's Adrian Griffin. That's why I could see the bucks going in that direction. Let's talk to David 608-796-2558. What's going on? David? Is everything okay? So uh, David is calling us from the inside of a leaf blower. Uh, David, if 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 whatever you're doing resolves itself, feel free to call back. <laughs> Jesus. Adrian Griffin, I was saying. Uh, and Nick Nurse, lastly. It's a theme with all these guys. Nick Nurse's Wikipedia page is unbelievable. I want to read it to you. Nick Nurse, and of course I don't have it open, so this is me killing time to pull it open. Nick Nurse played college ball. Anyone know, by the way, any diehards know where Nick Nurse played college ball? Northern Iowa. Anyone get that one? Northern Iowa. You got it. It's Division One. He was a student assistant in Northern Iowa, then a head coach at Grandview University in Des Moines. At 23, he was the head coach. He moved up to be an assistant at South Dakota. Then he played overseas for 11 years. and didn't play. Coached overseas for 11 years. I'm going to read you his resume. After he left South Dakota. Birmingham Bullets. Talindis Ustende. That is in Belgium. Uh, Manchester Giants. That's in England. London Towers. Oklahoma Storm. Brighton Bears which is a club in Brighton. Yeah, that's in Britain. I knew that. I didn't have to check. 
uh, the Oklahoma Storm again, the Iowa Energy, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, uh, an affiliate of the Houston Rockets, and then became the head coach to the Toronto Raptors after being an assistant there for five years. That is a resume. He's been a lot of places, seen a lot of things. I like that. I think that kind of matches who he is as a coach. Not willing to or not afraid to change things up, willing to be creative and move things around and throw a plan out the window in favor of something else. My only problem with Nick Nurse, I think he's a little bit abrasive, runs his guys really hard. That's maybe not going to go well with a bunch of guys in their late 20s or in their 30s who've won a title. They don't want to play 42 minutes a night. Also, he's a defensive coach, and I don't think the Bucs are dying for a reinvented defense. They need somebody who can spice up their half-court offense. And over the last three years, Toronto's finished 20th, 26th, and 25th in half-court efficiency. That's per cleaning the glass. Anytime I can say per cleaning the glass, makes me feel like a smart basketball fan. 608-796-2558. Let's go back to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hi, Grant. How are you? Oh, Ken, what's going on? I'm good. How are you? Good. Did you say you own some stock? What was, what's that? Did you say you own some stock I heard one day? Jeez. Uh, oh, yeah, about a week ago. Uh, jokingly, just saying that I was really high on certain players. So, yeah, I said, like, I have stock in a certain player. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd like to see. I, I, I think Joe Lowe would be good for the Packers. Um, yeah. I think uh, Rodgers would be good for the Jets. So, uh, and uh, how do you think the Badgers will do, um, Grant? And uh, I love your show, Grant. Well, thanks, Ken. Uh, how will Badgers football do this fall? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I didn't expect to talk college sports tonight. This is not my wheelhouse. I mean, I think they're going to be a bla- I think they're going to be a blast to watch and I think they're probably going to be similar to the way they have been the last couple of years. They're going to dominate the West, hopefully a little bit more than they have. I don't know. I don't know. You want my Oh, David hung up or Ken hung up. <laughs> you want my you, you want to win loss the Badgers schedule right now? What do you want from me? I think they're going to be really fun. And I think a lot of people who have maybe relegated Badgers football to background noise on a Saturday afternoon are going to be parked on their couch. So to go full circle with our college sports conversation, Dave, that's why these players have value is because I think a lot of Badger fans who have kind of set the Badgers aside the last couple of years as they've gotten a little bit less successful every year. And they say, well, maybe I'll listen when I'm mowing the lawn. You know, I'll have the game on when I'm working out in the garage breaking leaves, you know, that type of thing. I think a lot of those types of fans are going to maybe go to a game or actively watch and actively follow the team. Wins and losses, I don't know, but there's certainly going to be a renewed interest. And that's exciting, Ken. Appreciate the call. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back, talk more Bucks coaching, little Jordan Love OTAs as well. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, a couple minutes on Jordan Love before we wrap up the show. I still have more to say about this Bucks coaching search and about coaching in the NBA big picture. I'm just so fascinated by how the conversation around NBA coaching has evolved the last couple of weeks. I think it's been a little, a little harebrained, a little crackheadish. I think we're being kind of crackheads about the way that we discuss coaching in the NBA. 
I think there's a lot of factors, and I don't know that the coaching discourse has been accurate. I don't know that it's been fair. I'm also struggling to articulate exactly how I feel, which is maybe something that you've picked up on because I'm rambling and my sentences never really end and every statement I make ends in an upward inflection, which means I'm unsure of myself. I tweeted out today's poll question, uh, which is presented by our friend Cone Roller, a.k.a. Corn Maze, a.k.a. Corn Ball. I, I love that Dave, Dr. D, said that we should put cone roller in a corn maze with a piece of cheese and just watch him get lost. I don't know when, but at some point we jumped the shark with nicknames and with callers on the show. Cone rollers poll question today. Buy or sell. You would trade Drew Holiday for Eric Spolstra straight up. I think it's an interesting question. I'm not dying to trade Drew Holiday. Let's just, in case Drew's listening, which God, I hope he has something better to do. I'm not anti-Drew Holiday. I'm not trying to ship him off. He is just the piece that is, I think, most interesting. If you're trying to to really comprehend what you would do to get Eric Spolster coaching your team. Now, I also think, and I agree with Cone Roller, I think we're overrating Eric Spolster just a bit. Hold on. I'm not saying Eric Spolster is not a great coach. I'm not saying that he's not the best coach in basketball. I think he's great. I think he's a little Belichick in that what he has created and what they've done in Miami, I don't think can be replicated elsewhere. I I don't think you can recreate heat culture somewhere else. Well, we'll just take Eric Spolstra's, you know, top assistant coach and we'll, and we'll build what they've built somewhere else. They tried to do that in the NFL a million times over with Belichick assistants and coordinators and, and members of the front office. And it just never really worked. So I think as, as we evolve as sports fans and as we learn more year by year. And I I said on Monday, we get so much smarter, so much smarter just with year by year, like compared to where we will be as sports fans next year at this time, we're idiots right now. We, We are idiots right now with what we think about certain things. Fast forward a year when we see another NBA draft, when we see another NBA regular season, another trade deadline, another playoffs, we are going to know so much more. And the same will be true a year from then and a year from then. Right, I can't remember where I was going with this. But talking about coaching and what we've learned and and the way that we're reacting to this playoffs, I just think we've lost our minds a little bit. I I think that we are overrating slightly how great Eric Spolster is. And he's a great coach, but I I think there's a lot of scenarios like the Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, and the Celtics, and the Sixers, these teams that we've been expecting to break through and they haven't done it yet. So we're kind of getting frustrated with the Suns and Monty Williams. We're getting frustrated with the Bucks and Bud, even though they won a title two years ago. We're getting frustrated with Doc and the Sixers and the Celtics who have been there year after year after year, and they haven't been able to do it. So we are frustrated with all of these contenders that can't get over the hump, and we're getting frustrated with those coaches. So they all get fired, Monty Williams and Bud and Missoula and Doc Rivers. And I don't even know Missoula, to be to correct myself, he hasn't gotten fired yet. We'll see where that goes. But Nobody's standing around saying that Missoula is this amazing coach. We're talking about how Spoh's taking it to him every other day in this conference finals. So all of these coaches have been let go. I think it's the correct choice for all these franchises because they need to adjust. They need to pivot. They need to change some things because what they're doing isn't working. But I think combining the failures of many coaches on contending teams with the success of Eric Spolstra, I think it's made Eric Spolstra look even better than he is. Not saying he's not good. He is. 
But but I think the success that Eric Spolstra is having in the discourse around Eric Spolstra is as much of a product of the the failure of other coaches in the league as it is an actual product of Eric Spolstra's success and the Heat's success. And I think that's important, and I'm trying to remind myself, Spolstra's great, but we're also talking about Spolstra in a period of time where all of these other coaches have gotten fired. And what's hilarious is, you know, first round, Bud's a moron. You know, he doesn't know how to substitute. He doesn't know how to do this, doesn't make adjustments. We get to the second round. Doc Rivers is a loser, never been able to do it in big games. The Suns disappear. Oh, Monty Williams doesn't know how to make adjustments. Monty Williams can't get his teams up for big games. They were down by 50 to the Mavs in game seven last year. They were down by 30-ish at halftime this year. Doesn't have his team ready to play. So as we go through the playoffs, we're slamming this coach. We're slamming that coach. This coach is an idiot. This coach is a bum. All these coaches get fired. Now we give it a week or two. And now all of a sudden, all these coaches that we thought were idiots, all these coaches that we said should get fired, now they're the hot candidates. We, we've, we've turned around 180 degrees. I want to play you this audio. I was listening to Colin Coward's show a little bit yesterday because he had Chris Mannix on. And Chris Mannix does stuff for the Celtics. He's been a Boston reporter. And normally I don't listen to Mannix because he's too pro-Boston. But when Boston loses, okay, well, naturally I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen. Listen to this clip it's 35 seconds and i'm like i need to save that because this is exactly what I'm, I'm trying to explain on the show but i'm failing to he's asked about joe missoula's job security and whether or not the celtics and this was recorded yesterday before the celtics won so they were discussing heat celtics under the understanding that maybe the celtics season could end a couple of hours basically after this conversation so cowherd is asking Mannix, who's in the know with boston and with the celtics about the job security and the future of Joe Missoula. Listen to this clip. There is a level of loyalty there with Brad Stevens and Joe Missoula. The only thing that makes me pause and say there's a chance they let him go is that this market is robust with championship-level coaches. Wait a minute. You've got Mike Budenholzer out there. You've got Frank Vogel out there. You've got Monty Williams now out there. Uh, Nick Nurse now out there. You've got a, Wait a minute. number of elite Proven what? coaches Wait, that what? are available on the market that Come weren't on. available at this time or in September of last year when Joe Missoula was abruptly elevated to that position. I think this is so funny. He's not wrong in that the Celtics could get rid of Joe Missoula and bring in a coach that would immediately stabilize things. Bring in a professional. Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer, Doc Rivers, they are professionals. Although Doc's probably out because he's already coached there once. I, 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 I understand that. There's lots of competent professional coaches available this offseason a little bit of an outlier this hiring cycle is a little bit of an outlier for that reason but to say that there are elite coaches elite everyone was calling for bud's head like two weeks ago like two weeks ago we're all like this is the stupidest coach he can't make substitutions he won't use his depth he won't even put Giannis on jimmy butler and now two weeks later the celtics all of a sudden might need a coach well bud is an elite option what do you guys see what you you might not care about the NBA at all, which means if you're listening right now, you enjoy the show. You enjoy me. You enjoy something that's keeping you here despite not being interested in the NBA. I'm not crazy. Am I? Are you guys hearing and seeing what I'm hearing and seeing in that? We have gone nuts in the way that we discuss coaching in the NBA. We've lost our minds. To the point where Mike Budenholzer needs to be run out of town. Fast forward two weeks. Well, he is an elite coaching option. You don't often have an opportunity to hire a guy like this. What? Huh? This is wild. I'm losing my mind. I am losing my mind. 
And I think it's a little bit that NBA people, we love drama and we love hot takes and we love getting wet and wild with crazy opinions and harebrained theories. But I just think a lot of the the sports media, the NBA media at large, has done a poor job talking about coaching because no one wants to say the boring, obvious thing, which is that, oh, his players didn't play very well or they didn't make their shots. They had bad injury luck, right? This didn't go their way. No one ever after a series wants to go, well, this team, it wasn't their year. No one ever wants to say that, even though that's that's what happens a lot. It wasn't the Clippers year this year. It wasn't the Suns year this year. It was it was too much too early with Kevin Durant just getting to town. Last year, it wasn't the Bucks year because Chris Middleton got hurt. It was, it was the hand they were dealt. No one ever wants to say that. It's always the coach didn't make adjustments, whatever that means. What, did you want him to switch from man to zone all of a sudden? Did you want him to throw the playbook out the window? It's wild how we discuss coaching, especially when we get to playoff time. We all lose our minds. We are woefully late for a break, as our friend, the big unit, Bill Michaels, would say. Let's take a three-minute pause. We'll come back, wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It is my job to host this show every night from 4 to 6. It's one of my passions. I have many passions. Uh, another one of my passions is Twitter space. I love Twitter spaces. And I guess there's a space going on right now in which Ron DeSantis is announcing his run for president with Elon Musk. And I gotta say, I'm having a great time, a great time talking about the NBA and the Bucks coaching search with you all. I really want to know what's being said in that space. I love Twitter spaces so much. Just a bunch of randos in there talking about whatever. So I might, I might have to read a recap at some point tonight. I feel like I'm missing out a little bit. 608-796-2558. An interesting point here made by Michael. Let me look at your Twitter account real quick. Have we fought a lot in the past... For whatever reason, Michael, I saw Michael's name in his picture, and I'm like, oh, this is a guy who's normally up my butt. He makes a good point. I I was talking about the Heat and what they've created culture-wise, roster-wise. They've built something very unique, and I I compared them to the Patriots, not in that they've won a bunch of championships, but in that I think it's unique to that team. What Pat Riley and Spo and all those guys have done, I think it's unique to that city and that team, and I don't know if you can just poach Spo's top guy and plant him in Milwaukee or in Charlotte or in Memphis, and all of a sudden it's Miami North or Miami West. I don't think it works like that the same way that it didn't work when over and over and over teams tried to poach one of Belichick's assistants or like Jack Easterby in the front office in Houston, although that might work out. Who knows? But it's it's not worked out so many times throughout history certainly way more often than it's worked out. And Michael makes a good point on Twitter. He says, the NBA is much easier to recreate a winning culture. 15 guys on the roster versus 53 in the NFL. I don't know that that makes much of a difference. I I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to sleep on this tonight, Michael. You could be correct or you could be wrong. Because if there's one guy on a roster of 15 that doesn't fit, it's going to be way more of a problem than one guy on a roster of 53. So there's two sides to that coin. I just think it's an interesting point. I am so fascinated. Every day for the last couple weeks, I've woke up, listened to NBA podcasts, listened to you know NBA talk on Sirius XM radio. I just think we've all lost our minds with how we discuss 
coaches. Because we called for Mike Budenholzer's head. We called for Doc Rivers and Monty Williams and, and Nick Nurse. The Raptors have done nothing but underperform and have bad vibes for the last two or three years. And yet now that these guys are all options for possibly a team like the Celtics, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Joe Missoula. And all of a sudden I hear Chris Mannix on the radio saying, well, there's elite options available. There's elite, okay, there's elite options like Mike Budenholzer. He's elite now? Where did that come from? When did that happen? Well, what's gone down in the last couple of weeks where opinions on guys have changed that much? Jeez. Tomorrow, we'll do OTAs. We'll talk to Jordan Love tomorrow. I didn't need to force Jordan Love. I didn't need to shoehorn him into tonight's show. We'll discuss him tomorrow. Talk a little more Brewers as well. That was fun. Have an awesome night. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.